This is the Good Neighbor Podcast, the place where local businesses and neighbors come together. Here's your host, Stacy Poehler. Hey, everybody. I'm excited to be chatting today with Emily Healy from Dogwood Autism Services. Welcome, Emily. Hi, Stacey. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Dogwood Autism Services and what you do there? Sure, sure. So Dogwood Autism Services provides services to young kids with autism. We specialize in early intervention. And so we work with kids primarily between the ages of one and five on developing skills like social skills, communication skills, and play skills even, um, things that they need to be prepared for an eventual placement in a school environment. Awesome, awesome. Um, I know in looking at your website, it talks a lot about ABA. Can you kind of share what that stands for and um, you know what kind of therapy that is? Yeah, absolutely. ABA stands for Applied Behavior Analysis, and that is the science of behavior. So we look at providing really change to behavior um, and specifically behaviors that are socially significant. And so earlier when I mentioned social skills, um, so things like saying hi to peers or saying hi to other kids, um, being able to play with other kids would be something that we would work on and consider socially significant. Um, and things like communication, you know, being able to um, ask for something if you want it or have a back and forth conversation. Those are all skills that we would work on um, by applying the science of behavior analysis. And what's your background? Do you have a master's degree in counseling or what? Yeah, you that's a great question. Get into this field. Yeah, so I do have a master's degree. Um, it's in behavior analysis, actually, in applied behavior analysis. And part of the process is also obtaining certification. So it's a master's degree plus a certification or a board certification, I guess I should say. Um, we, I really was drawn to um, working with young kids specifically. And my experience has been um, over 10 years working with preschool age children, um, but was particularly intrigued by behavior change. And so um, I did some time or spent some time teaching preschool and then decided what I liked about that was being able to work with kids who needed a little extra support, who needed a little bit, um, a little bit more than what just the traditional preschool experience could provide. And so I did a little searching and found behavior analysis and um, went for my master's degree and have really loved it ever since. Awesome. Can you talk a little bit about what makes Dogwood Autism Services, you know, different from other types of, um, you know, behavioral therapy places and um, maybe, you know, how it came about and, um, you know, what the impetus was for founding it? Yeah, yeah. We found, gosh, five years ago, almost six years ago is when Dogwood was first started. And the idea was, there were plenty of providers, I guess, at that point providing behavior therapy, but there weren't a lot of clinic-based providers at that time. And a lot of the ABA services that were being provided were um, kind of robotic. Like there was just a bit of um, a clinical feel to it that wasn't quite natural for especially a really early learning population. And so that was part of what attracted me to Dogwood um, was wanting to make sure that we could meet kids where they're at and really provide them with 
an experience that let them be kids. And it wasn't about working at a table and needing to use flashcards. It was about playing with toys that any other kid would get to play with and playing with other kids like any other kid would get to do. Um, and so that's really been our mission throughout. We want to help kids reach their potential, but we want to meet them where they're at and really give them the opportunity to um, work on things that they're interested in in the most natural way possible. It's, it's really what makes us different. Awesome. Awesome. Can you talk about, you know, some of the challenges of your work? I mean, I'm, I'm sure it can be um, a little bit emotionally draining at times, but, um, you know, some of the challenges and kind of how you've been able to work through them and, um, you know, and stay, um, you know, mentally healthy yourself. Yeah, I'm so glad that you brought that up. That can be a challenge. The burnout piece can be difficult. Um, it's hard work. It can be um, not just emotionally intensive, but it can be physically intensive at times too. Um, preschoolers or young kids are hard to keep up with, as I'm sure others know. Um, and so it can be even just physically taxing. But on the emotional end, you know, you do become attached to the kids, you become attached to their families. Um, and gosh, balance is a lot of it. Um, I think from the standpoint of our employees, you know, we do look to provide healthy work-life balance. Um, but you kind of tend to go all in. A lot of people who are attracted to this kind of work are passionate about it too. And so it's really important just to have some of that breathing room to have some time, um, whether that's, you know, with your own family, um, time that you clock out and do things that are important to you personally. Um, for me, it is family time. I like to spend some time with my dog, um, time with friends too. And um, I like to be outside. And so I think that giving yourself room for some of those activities help you bring your best self to the work. Awesome. Awesome. Can you talk about, um, you know, a case study, a, a child that, you know, maybe came in and how you um, saw that, you know, him or her grow um, and change, you know, through the ABA therapy? Yeah, gosh, it's hard to think of just one. Um, and, and every kid progresses in their own way. And so that's part of why our mission is to help each child reach their potential, because their potential might look different, you know, one from the next. Everything's really highly individualized. Um, but some of my favorite experiences are getting those first words or getting some of those um, first communication behaviors happening, um, especially with really, really young learners, those who maybe just received an autism diagnosis. Um, and if they're not communicating just yet, it means the world to everybody, themselves included, the child included, um, when they first get, get that opportunity to communicate something that they want and get what they want. Um, maybe that's through words. You know, I think that's, you know, kind of ideal for everybody. And it's so sweet to hear their little voices. Um, but other things that we or other ways we might support those skills would be through picture exchange or um, even sign language. So just giving it, it's really special to have the opportunity to make that kind of change in a young child's life um, for them and for the people who are important to them. Awesome. Awesome. Um, you know, what would be some, you know, signs of that p parents of young children should look for, um, you know, that they may have a want to have a conversation with their pediatrician, um, you know, about autism or, you know, behavioral delays in general? Yeah. So 
I think a common thing that comes to mind is differences with eye contact or differences with eye gaze. And so if you notice your young child um, has differences in the ways that they use eye gaze or use eye contact compared to other young kids, that's um, certainly a, a yellow flag, you know, something that you would want to bring to your pediatrician. Other things to consider would be um, insistence on sameness, so maybe some repetitive nature in their play skills. Um, I think common things that you hear about um, and you certainly observe them in the autism population would be um, lining things up. So maybe lining up cars instead of driving them around a track. Um, looks like we're making them into maybe like a parking lot um, rather than driving them around like you might see another child do. Um, and then finally, though this is different for all kids, um, kids learn to communicate within a range, a time frame. Um, but if you see delays in communication skills, so you would expect your child to be talking and they're not talking yet, um, that's certainly something that you would want to bring to your pediatrician and, and get their opinion on um, whether they think you maybe need a referral to someone developmental or not. Um, those three things would be important to bring to your pediatrician. Okay. That, that's that's great for folks to know that. Um, are you guys able to accept insurance? I mean, how, how does that work for um, being a provider? Yeah, we do accept insurance, private insurance, um, through a variety of different insurance or funding sources. So depending on the company that your insurance is or your medical or your health insurance is provided through, um, or even the policy that you have, you may or may not have benefits for ABA therapy. Um, it seems more and more common, it, I guess less likely that you would not have benefits, um, but we accept most major insurance and um, also some of the publicly funded sources like Medicaid or Amerigroup. Okay. Have you, I mean, I know you said you taught preschool, um, I mean, have you always kind of been interested in working with children? How, you know, lots of times I have high schoolers who listen to this podcast to try to figure out, you know, what they should be when they grow up. Can you kind of talk about maybe what you were thinking back when you were in high school and how you kind of got to the point that you knew you, you wanted to work in this type of therapy? Yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh, I'd love to speak to those folks specifically. Um, I don't think there's enough awareness about ABA therapy. And so to know that this is, you know, a course of study would be awesome in high school. Um, I, when I was in high school, I wanted to either be a child psychologist or um, a child advocate of some kind. I thought maybe I would go to law school. So I always knew I was interested in higher education, I suppose, and, and I had wanted to work with kids, but I didn't really know how I wanted to apply that interest. Um, my undergraduate degree is in psychology, so I did start that track. And as I approached graduation, I didn't really know what I was going to do with that degree. It was um, pretty open-ended, I felt. And so I did try some work in the professional space. I did a little sales for a couple years and realized it wasn't really for me. So um, as I started teaching preschool and found um, that behavior analysis was a, a, a direction I could go, um, there are entry-level opportunities. We have a 
um, a position or a certification called registered behavior technician. And that's entry level. All you need is your high school diploma or a GED to pursue certification as a registered behavior technician. And that's where you're working directly with learners. Um, so there's an opportunity to give it a shot, you know, right out of high school or um, as um, maybe an after school job if you're pursuing higher education but would like to earn a little as you go through. Um, and you are required to work hands on with learners in that type of role in order to pursue a master's degree um, and, and that further certification, the BCBA certification. So, certainly something they could look into. Thanks for asking about that. Awesome. I guess my last question is. You know, in the last seven years, I'm guessing that maybe the role of technology has changed and that you all are able to use, you know, a little bit more, um, you know, technological advances to help the kids. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, we do leverage technology, I think, specifically for our practice on the data collection end of things. So all of our um, that's part of the science is, is reviewing progress through data and making decisions about where to go with treatment based on the data that we've collected. Um, so we do everything online. Um, we use an app to collect the data and then um, someone like myself, the analyst, will review that data on the back end. Um, Otherwise, just because we're working with early learners, we don't dig too deep into their use of technology because we're trying to get them to interact with toys and interact with materials and the environment um, like you'd see at a daycare or a preschool. Um, so it's not so much that we use it with them, but we do use it ourselves so we can make smarter, faster decisions about their treatment. Awesome. Awesome. I know you guys have a few locations. You have one in Roswell, one in Alpharetta, one in Woodstock, and maybe a couple other places. Can you share where we can find you online? Yes, yes. We are at dogwoodautism.com. And anything you'd need to know about us is available on our website, as well as how to um, inquire about pursuing services or even careers if you're interested in looking at um, becoming an RBT. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Emily. Thanks, Stacey. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, it was fun. Thank you for listening to the Good Neighbor Podcast, Milton and More. To nominate your favorite local businesses to be featured on the show, go to GNPMilton.com. That's GNPMilton.com. Or call 470-664-4930.